Hey, my name is Adam Whitescarver, and I'm the executive director at the Chattanooga House of Prayer, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for listening today, and I hope it encourages you and gives you perspective to see the beauty and the diversity of God's church, both in Chattanooga and the church at large. Thanks for listening. Well, welcome to a beautiful church podcast. I'm your host, Adam Whitescarver, and on this podcast, we like to display the beauty of God's church. We believe the whole church in the city of Chattanooga is a beautiful church. And so we have with us in studio today, Pastor Greg Odom. Welcome, Greg. Thank you so much for having me. Greg, just delighted that you could make it. Well, um, so Greg, how about you start us off and tell us who who is Greg Odom and wh- and where do you pastor? Let's just start with that. Well, who I am, I'm still figuring out. But <laughs> a work in progress. Uh, I'm the pastor of New Monumental Baptist Church in the Woodmore area of Chattanooga, and um, I have been there exactly two years as of last Sunday. Oh wow! Well, yeah. congratulations on that. Yeah. Now, where what area did you come from to come here? I came from the Metro Atlanta area. Uh, I was at uh, Zion Baptist Church in Marietta, Georgia. Now we hold that in common. Uh, I'm I grew up in Marietta, home of the Big Chicken. Exactly. For those of you who don't know, it right. is a 57 foot tall chicken on top of a Kentucky Fried Chicken with a eyes that roll and a beak that opens and shuts. And it's still there. They remodeled it and updated it. It's still I, there. I mean, it's when you know when I was a kid growing up there, I thought. Um, that that was like where that was Kentucky Fried Chicken's headquarters, and then I just found out it was like just some other Kentucky Fried Chicken along with others. That's where I thought they started, and I was like, "Yeah, why did Mom? Why did Kentucky Fried Chicken start in Georgia? Why is it called Kentucky?" Anyways, uh, you, nobody needs to to know those details, but if you do pass <laughs> through the Marietta area, you should you should see that. So love that we have that in common. So uh, just can you introduce people to who you are when whatever, whatever you feel like you would want them to know about you, what's, what's important. So, you know, maybe where you come from or how in the world did you decide to get in ministry? You know, those sorts of things. Well, um, I came to this area as I, as I just said from, from Georgia, but um, I am a I'm a widowed um, father of two, Mm -hmm. and I have four wonderful grandkids. Uh, I've been in ministry for about 28 years. I've been pastoring for 20 of those 28 years. And um, as far as what led me into the ministry, that was nothing but God. I, Did you come kicking and screaming, or I came kicking and screaming? Kicking and screaming. I grew up in the church. I, I joke sometimes that I I think I might have been born in the church because my first memories are all of being wow. in a church. And um, were you a Sunday uh, every like an every Sunday family? Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, I, I this is not what you're I'm asking you about, but I just want to emphasize, you know, that you know, if you make it important as parents to your kids and you have them there. They'll get it, not from you saying it, they'll, but they'll get it and they'll get used to it. Right. Yeah. So that, you're one of the, you're the product of that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Every Sunday, um, Wednesday for Bible studies, um, you know, family prayer around the table, having to learn Bible verses to say after oh, wow. the, after the, before you eat your breakfast and that kind of thing. Yeah. Or, or you don't get fed? Well, 
you still got fed, but you might get you have to, you're delayed at least. Yeah. And when you're a kid, gosh, yeah. yeah, my son wouldn't like that. He would probably, me- I, you know, that's a great trick. He would, he'd probably memorize everything. He, 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 you know, he eats breakfast. He's always begging for food like we've never fed him before in his life. Oh yeah. And then we actually set a timer in our household, like we set a timer. One after he's eating breakfast, we set a timer for. And we call it a snack timer. It says you can't ask for a snack until this timer goes off. Otherwise, he'll he'll hound us to death for a snack. So this is I'm I'm already I'm already being edified right here. Keep going, man. But um oh yeah, part of that was we could not say Jesus wept. Hmm. No, we couldn't take the shortest Bible verse. Ah, uh, gotcha. Like, no, you have to learn one. And so um, but growing up in the church um, there there were because my father was very um influential in the church, although he was not a pastor, he was like a long-term deacon. And he was like Mm. the deacon that everybody came to for everything. And um, But growing up in the church, I saw a lot. Mm. And I got to know a lot of pastors. And I said, that's not for me. Because I could see, I saw them on Sunday, but I also saw them through the week. And so I said, no, I could never do that. That's not for me. And um, my this, dis- were these were godly people that um, it was just hard work, or were this, was it they were there was hypocritical or a mixture of both of those two examples? A mixture of both. It was godly people doing hard work, but um, I believe that even at that my young age, I had preconceived ideas of what a pastor should be, mm. and they were not meeting that mark. Mm. Because, like so many people, I thought pastors should be perfect, mm. and that's just not the case. Right. But I was too young to understand that, and so when I would see them through the week, and they weren't projecting the same um, holiness that I saw on Sundays, I said, "No, that's not for me. I can't possibly do that." Mm. Um, but I knew I was called. Uh, the Lord called me. I was probably eleven, twelve years old. Oh, I was right. like, "No way." <laughs> There's no way. I still got too much living to do, you know. <laughs> I, I want to just be out there. But um, the conviction of the Holy Spirit came on me by the time I was 23, and I just couldn't. Mm-hmm. I couldn't keep. I couldn't avoid it. I couldn't run from it. And um, so I finally, at 28, still kicking oh, and took screaming. Five years, okay. yeah. Wow, still kicking and screaming until he he showed me something. Um, the Old Testament visions and dreams are not just visions and dreams for the Old Testament. The Lord still uses that. Mm-hmm. So he showed me something in a, in a dream, and I woke up. And when I woke up, um, well, full disclosure, I woke up in my closet on the floor uh, in a fetal position and not knowing how I got there. Oh, wow. But I remembered exactly what he had shown me. And when I sat up, and looked around and realized I was in the closet. I said, okay, God. Wow. Okay. Wow. That was it. <laughs> That's a serious call to ministry you yes. can't back down from. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. And so then you've you've been in some form of ministry or another since then. You just said uh, that was like, that's the line of, of change in your life of right. saying, I've got to get into ministry. Right. Okay. So um, – I do know, you know, we've briefly talked about this, that there, there's been singing in your past. Did that lead, was that the first thing you went to when you did ministry? I told him I was going to ask him about this and he said, I have slight permission to, uh, but yeah, what, what, how, what was the start? Give me like, um, did you go just start volunteering in church more? Did you decide to say, talk to your pastor and say, and you know, what was the process for you entering ministry there? Well, 
at that point entering ministry, I had already done the singing. And okay. I, I, I was, uh, because I knew, like I said, I knew that the Lord had called me into the ministry at the age of 11, and then I just didn't want to do it. And I tried to bargain with God, and we realized that that doesn't work. But I said, Lord, if you just give me the ability to uh, play a musical instrument, I'm close to the pulpit that way, and I'll just serve you. Mm. And um, it was a gift, truly a gift, and I learned to play. And then I, I was a musician for my church as a youth, and um, wow. I sang then, and I continued to play. And then when the Lord was like, that's not where I called you to be. That's your, your place of settling. I've got to move you to where I want you. So it was at that age that my desire and love for music started to diminish. And then the Lord was like, no, because this is where I want you. And so I pretty much just had to, I had to acquiesce and do what he wanted me to do. But Man, there's so much in this uh, brief story of um, just lessons of, you know, what God might um, call you to or tell you to do and how we can find compromises oh, yeah. all along the way to do sort of like, well, yeah, I'm, of course I'm obeying you, God, and you're just sort of halfway meeting him. He's, he wants it all. Absolutely. He wants the whole life Absolutely. surrendered and laid down. And so that took you that took you a little while, but yeah. you're here. Yeah. He let me sing and um he let me um he let me play instruments, several. Until, and he probably uses that even yeah. in your ministry now, having an understanding of how it works with musicians. And Absolutely. You're probably a senior pastor that the musicians um, can identify with much yeah. better than a lot of others. Yeah. Yeah. I have a very good rapport with my musical staff. Um, See, that's fabulous. That's because I've been there. Um, you know. Well, there, you know, I you know, I've I've had conversations, um, you know, Pat that's that's probably if we're talking relationships in the church, uh, or on church staff, it's that's the one that, you know, if I if I can work toward anything on church unity in town, it will be Someday I want to see things that help repair that relationship between worship leaders or worship pastors and pastors because of any church staff position, that's the one where I always see the most tension or oh, where, yeah. you know, and it goes both ways. Yeah. You know, senior pastor saying, oh, this worship leader is such a headache or the worship leader saying, oh, I hate my senior pastor, you know, that kind of thing. But so that's, you know, I'm glad to hear that bit of your your background. Um, just fascinating. So, yeah, and I, I know this already, so I just got to throw it out there. You know, you, you said you sang first tenor, and you have this bass baritone voice on this recording. You just must have, like, one one enormous singing range. I have a pretty good singing range. Um, as a minister of music, which is what I was before I became a pastor, um, in teaching the songs, uh, very often I would have to do all the vocal parts. Oh, my so goodness. I can, do, I can do a soprano and a falsetta. But um, my natural, normal singing voice is first tenor. That's that's just incredibly impressive. <laughs> no, not impressive. It just sounds like that shouldn't be you. But God does what God does. I mean, I I <laughs> sing bass baritone, and that's all I've got, man. That's all I've got. <laughs> I'm a one trick pony. Um, well, no, okay, so cool. So so let's get just some of the details of uh, of of your church. Um, you know. You've, you've given where we're, where you're located. When 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 are service times for New Monument? Service times are um, Sundays at um, ten o'clock. Um, currently, we do a Sunday morning service at ten, and that's it. Uh, we have a Wednesday night uh, Bible study. We have um, 
small groups or uh, for those who still hang on to it, we have Sunday school. But our small group since the pandemic, our Sunday school since the pandemic has moved to various different days now. And so we've truly broken off into the small groups. And um, those are on our website. And you have to you know, find the one where you fit. And we, we invite people to do that. And what's your website? It is www.newmonumental.org. So easy to remember. So easy, yes. Um, so what, just worship style, What what is like, you know, if someone comes to your church, are you the, we start at 10, we end at 11, or we're going till uh, noon? What what is, so if someone comes to visit your church and they want to experience worship with you guys, what's it like? Well, the worship style is, typically it's an hour, maybe an hour and 15 minutes. Okay. So we start at 10 and by uh, 11, 15 uh, 1130s on the first Sundays, we are a traditional Baptist church. So we have to take that extra time to do our uh, communion services on the first Sunday. Okay. Um, so normally, though, the service is about an hour and 15 minutes to an hour and a half. And that's um, the style is pretty open and free. Um, it is a uh, traditional Baptist church, um, which with some contemporary components. So we don't necessarily sing straight from the hymn book, but there's a lot of, um, we do the praise and worship, um, a message and a corporate prayer. And usually that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, every, every church is, uh, different and has their different styles. You know, we have, we, we're trying to cut, cover the gamut of it on, uh, of this, on this podcast, because we're trying to display the different styles. Um, is there anything that, um, so it would be fairly straightforward. Most people from a, a, a Baptist background, mm-hmm. for sure, yes, and a lot of other non-denominational churches would be able to sort of come in and have a clue, at least, of what's going on and be able to roll with you guys. Now, um, do you, are you usually celebrational in your worship style or are you kind of somber and serious reverential kind of thing or mixture of both what what's it going to feel like we run the gamut oh man we run the gamut okay um uh, as we very often say in in the uh, in the african-american church we let the holy spirit have its way mm. and so we run the gamut uh, we'll begin our praise and worship is celebratory and then we bring it down a little bit because we're going into corporate prayer we do a scripture and a, and a corporate prayer, and then uh, the minister of music will take us back to a, a place of celebration, and then there's the word, and that's that's always celebratory, um, just the fact that it is the word, mm. and um, so it 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 kind of ebbs and flows. And what's your um, what's your preaching style? Are you are you going like how when you're planning sermons and stuff like that? Are you going like? I'm going to be preaching out of this book, or do you preach thematically uh, based off certain things that you're reading in the congregation? What, what, what generally helps drive your, your preaching? My preaching style is more uh, exegetical, okay. and so I will go, uh, there's a scripture, and then the strip, from the scripture, it goes into exegeting the scripture and then the application of the word so that um, you've got something that you can take home with you. Right. Um, I in seminary, it, it just dawned on me as they kept teaching and trying to pound it into our heads. Um, if you don't send your congregates home with something, basically you've entertained them. Mm. 
You haven't given them a word. You haven't preached the gospel. You haven't preached the word of God. You just entertained them for, you know, whatever length of time you had them there. So it's very important that I'm able to um, exegete the scripture so that they know exactly what it's saying and then send them home with a life application, something that they can take with them. And where did you go to seminary? Um, Luther Rice University in um, um, just outside of Atlanta, as well as Emory University. Okay. So Okay. So you double dipped a little bit there. I double dipped. Yes, yes. I went from uh, extremely conservative to what they consider to be liberal. But um, the essence of who I am as a person is to find out as much as I can about everybody. And so um, I did not go to a uh, typical uh, African-American seminary on purpose. I went to a Southern Baptist, predominantly white seminary on purpose Mm. to find out why was it that we were worshiping in different places, worshiping the same God in different places at the same time. And um, I learned a lot while I was there. Yeah, I learned an awful lot while I was there. And I was like, okay. We can bridge this gap. And that's that's worth saying. Um, you are a Southern Baptist, right? Yes. Um, so, you know, uh, I, I guess hmm, there's so many questions I could go off on, on side trails here, but let's, let's just <laughs> let's stick to, to some of the, the things I want to stick with. Um, New Monumental, what's, what's some of the background of that church? What role has that church played in town that you're aware of, or what's the history of that church here in, the, in town as best you're able to relay it? And I know you've been there for two years, and so you weren't there for the majority of it. And so, you know, I'm not asking you to be the church historian, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. what, do you, what, what can you tell us of the church? Well, um, the church itself is a, uh, it's a historical church. It's an historical church. Uh, not just an historical African-American church. It's an historical church. It began 129 years ago in uh, 1892. Oh, wow. The church's original name was Mount Zion. Don't know why. Okay, (laughs) because, you know, everybody was thinking, okay, what about old monumental or original monumental? Exactly. My thought was, why is it new? Why isn't it just monumental Baptist? So didn't you say you came from, maybe I remember, didn't you say Mount Zion in in Mary? it was Zion Baptist Zion in Marietta Baptist. that I and came from. So you from, came to so. the formerly known as Mount right. Zion Baptist. And okay, I was so you've like, just been at the same church the whole time. Pretty of. much. I okay. said, okay, God, whatever you have. But <laughs> Okay. But um it was it was began downtown on uh, 8th Street. Oh. And it stayed there for uh over a hundred years. Wow. Yeah. Um the church moved in two thousand one. It moved to the Woodmore community. And uh, we're in the facility that was formerly Central Baptist Church. Okay. And so um, it's a great facility. It's a great big yeah building. Is was that to keep up with the what? What was the move for? Do you know? Actually, uh, it was a, it was quite an interesting story. Um, UTC wanted the parking lot. Of the church. Man, UTC wants everything downtown these days. <laughs> everything. And members of the um members of, of the Central Baptist, well, that area was was changing over. And mm-hmm. so members of Central Baptist were were dwindling and they needed to they wanted the opportunity to have go to move out. Let's just put it that way. Were they ending their congregation or no. were they okay? They moved the church out and changed the name. But um it was quite interesting because basically they, the two churches did a land swap. 
Really? Because someone from Central Baptist was on the board at UTC, and they were saying, we'll do a land swap with you. You can have our church. We'll have your church, and then we're going to give the church to UTC. Now, see, that story is like, (laughs) why can't it always be uh, where we just, where it's like, hey, let's find the win-win for everybody. Yeah. Um, and where the church cooperates with it with each other as it should. Now, one question I want to go back to real quick. Um, sorry, because I, I just I meant to ask this earlier, and I know this is putting my podcast conversation out of order. But in your pastoring, um, some of the things you saw your father do as like the the super deacon is that is that influential on how you pastor your church and how you do things. It was influential in the fact that um, I saw him always with a handout to help someone. Mm. And so that kind of just followed me. Um, my mom was the same way. Mm. You know, they were always willing to help. They always wanted to be there to help and to serve. But some of the other things that I saw were helped me to understand not to go that way. Um, so as to not wear yourself out or burn right, yourself out. Yeah. Right, because um, everyone that came to him got help. Everyone. Mm-hmm. And then it can, it began to just repeat itself over and over and over again to the point that it it you know it kind of wears you out yeah. and um, so it's like okay we want to do the godly thing but let's put some order to it let's let's make it let's give it some guidelines yeah so yeah. we can still breathe yeah you know okay great well so I'm glad I asked that all right so going back to uh, the church and the, and the history of the of the church. Is before I move on from that question, is there anything else you'd want to offer of, of the history that you think this now this is a fun fact that everyone should know about New Monumental, besides the fact that there is no old monumental. No, the, there is no old monumental. And um I would say that I guess a fun fact would be that as a historical African American church, there are quite a number of um influential people that came out of that church simply because it's over a hundred years old. Right. Um, there, there's even a, and I'm embarrassed now because I can't remember the person's name, but there's a placard that was uh, erected by the state of Tennessee Wow. for uh, one of the members who sang with um, the choir at Fisk University who went on to do several other recordings and so they placed that placard down on 8th Street. And when we moved to Woodmore, the placard came with us. They moved it out there. So it's sitting right in front of our church. Was it a, a man or a woman? It was a man. And um, gosh, I'm embarrassed because I can't remember his name. But I saw the placard and it got my attention the first Sunday I was yeah, there. You know what's great? Is this on anywhere on your website? Nobody will be. Okay, so put it up on your website. And, you know, people listen to this, they can go find out uh, what, you know, who that person is. And then I can go find out later, too. Yeah. Um, so, um, but let's, well, let's do this. Let's take a quick break right now. And we'll be back and ask a few more questions in a moment. Are you a worship leader or creative in Chattanooga? Do you long for the church to come together and worship Jesus across all dividing lines? The Union is a community of creatives in Chattanooga seeking to build unity while celebrating differences. The Union holds many different events including citywide worship nights where all churches can gather and worship together. Since community is so vital, we host dedicated gatherings that focus on building relationships, 
so you can connect and do life together with like-minded people from around our city. To get connected and to know more about upcoming events, you can follow us on social media at The Union Chattanooga or check out our website at chathop.org. Well, we're back with Pastor Greg Odom from New Monumental Baptist Church, and we're just finding all about uh, this fascinating treasure in the city of Chattanooga. And so I, I do want to just sort of dive into that more. Um, you know, what would you say, from what you can tell, just your read on the people and what, what where, where you are in the community and everything, what would you say uh, is the particular calling of New Monumental? in Chattanooga or in your community? What would you say, like, you know, different churches, like we, we're just clearly, you know, every church has every bit of the church in it, right? Like a little microcosm of it. Um, but what are the things that, like, this is the strength of this church. This is a thing that's just always been there and is a thing that they've always given to the community or uh, always provides for the church of God here in the city of Chattanooga. What would you, what would be some of those things you would say? Well, from some of the church's history, then I know that the church has always been community oriented. Um, it's always reached out to the community. Once it moved to the Woodmore uh, community, we have continued to reach out. Um, in the time that I've been there, I've noticed some of the things that we've done. And so I decided the Lord has just led me to, to, uh, make that even more impactful. So we are, um, adopting or well, we, I've already adopted <laughs> a slogan that we're the community church and not just the church in the community. Mm. Um, coming to Chattanooga, I noticed that there are a plethora of churches here sure. everywhere. Just not all of them are doing anything. And um, also true. <laughs> there are churches practically on every street corner around us. But what are you doing to impact the community? So that's the banner that was passed along to me. So I'm, I'm uh, challenged to raise that banner even higher. Mm -hmm. Um, in the Woodmore community where we are now, within walking distance, there is an elementary, a middle and a high school. Uh, when I got to the church my second week there, I, um, had already arranged to meet those principals because I wanted to find out what they needed from the church. Wow. And so we've become very involved in those. Um, Woodmore Elementary is is literally on our street. Wow. And um, prior to my coming, I know that there was an awful bus wreck or something where mm -hmm. the kid, so their funeral, those mass funerals were held at New Monumental. And um, oh, wow. Yeah, we've been there. Uh, we put in thousands and thousands of volunteer hours um, there helping with after school programs, with literacy programs, with um, feeding them, uh, you know, giving them meals to take home and the backpacks and all that thing. Um, we've also done uh, reached out to the to the middle school, Delwood Middle School, as well as Brainerd High School. So we're there and we're working with that part um, first because of my call to the youth. So we began working there first, but now we also have the uh, Woodmore Homeowners Association. They meet at our church because Wonderful. we want to be able to reach them. Um, and when things are going on in, in the community, we make sure that we're trying to be involved in what's going on. We've got stuff coming up very soon that that's going to uh, impact the community directly. And um, so that's, that's our thing to be the community church. Now, 
Gosh, you, you, you're generating lots of questions. First of all, how did you get the uh, community association to meet at the church? Did you go pursue that president or did they pursue nope. you? They came to us. Because you've developed that reputation. And that, that's fabulous. That's exactly how you want it to be. Um, yes. And you guys were like, amen. This yes. Is exactly what we're aiming for. Uh, when? How soon would you like to meet? Um, all right. And then you, you talked about thousands of hours of volunteers. Um, how, how do you have that culture there? Is that, did you inherit that? Have you been building that? Is that, uh, just who the people of New Monumental are? That's who the people are. Wow. I inherited, uh, I inherited that. We have a wonderful, I call them, um, new retirement core. Mm. You know, the people who have recently retired. So it's like, okay, I need to find something to do. Yeah. We have a wonderful new wow. retirement core and, um, they do the meals on wheels. They, they visit the sick. They go to the school. Um, they organize the back to school drives. I mean, wow. they they do it all, and um, it's That's just so much better than just going to go spend yeah. your retirement on. Oh you. yeah, oh yeah. I, I mean, sure, relax a bit more and enjoy life. You know, a bit more <laughs> than when you were working the nine to five. Mm-hmm. But retire with a purpose. Yeah, there's so many good years for you know fulfillment. You know, doing some of your best life's work. At that age, yeah. Yeah. Our missions ministry is comprised of and run by the new retirement corps. Well, They're the people who have the time to do it. Right. And and they're mature with some expertise. And yeah. they wanted it. I didn't ask them to do it. They said that's what they wanted to do. And I See, said, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you, you just made like uh, every pastor listening to this podcast <laughs> jealous with that one. Uh, they wanted it. Um, but that. That's fabulous. Um, so then let's let's just turn the uh, directions here for a moment. What would you say are some of the, the challenges that you're facing that you're comfortable sharing at this time at, at, at your church? I think the biggest challenge that, that our church is facing is the same one that the church is facing across the board. It is the youth and the young adults. Mm. Um, we don't have a problem with children. Parents mm. pretty much make their children come. Once you reach a certain age, then the culture is the culture of the church and the culture of the world has the youth more interested in other things. Sure. And so our challenge then is to try and do something that will appeal to them. Um, and where I run into the difficulties is not... Um, having the time and the resources. But where I run into the difficulties is when you have people already in the church and they feel like this is what drew me to the church, so we should do this. But that's not the case Mm -hmm. because what drew us to the church is not going to draw these people. And um, trying to maneuver around that without hurting feelings or without alienating volunteers, that's the challenge. Mm -hmm. That's the challenge because the youth are not interested in the things that caught our interest. They're just not. And so I, my approach now is let's ask them what they want. And if it does not go against the word of God, let's make it happen. Hmm. You have a heart for youth. I do. Where did you get that heart? Um, being a youth, <laughs> growing up in well, a church. Well, you've got that in common with most everybody. <laughs> but growing up in a church where... Um, it was our responsibility to adapt to what the adults wanted us to do. Mm. 
And I was kind of that kid that it's like, well, why don't you just let us do it? And then they were like, well, you need guidance. You need direction. You don't understand this. You don't understand that. And I was my, my response to them was always respectful, but can we show you what we can do? Hmm. Yeah. And I had two people that allowed me to show them what we could do. And then it became my burden. Because now at the youth in my church as I was coming up, if they wanted to do anything, I had to lead it or they weren't confident that it was going to be appropriate. So you were like the de facto youth pastor. I know. And it, <laughs> hmm. But it, it um, and then to just see the youth as they began to stray away from the church, um, talking to people that say uh, almost proudly, no, I don't attend church. That never used to happen. That mm. never used to happen. Everybody went to church. What are you talking about? I didn't know anybody that didn't go to church. And then to find out that people don't go, and I was like, then what do you do on Sunday mornings? Wow. You know? Wow. You know, there, there's so much right there as well. Like, um, you know, I was a youth pastor for years, and one of the things that I was always striving for was get, you know, let's, let's get the kids uh, involved you know, not like um, let's make just the no. I might be stepping on some toes here, but rather than just a youth Sunday, which there's nothing wrong with youth Sunday, mm-hmm. but what about the kids just regularly being on the worship band? I mean, we had kids that were writing their own music and new music theory by the time they were like four, literally 14 years old, writing songs. Right. And um, I just said, let's just incorporate them into stuff. They they can do this. Some of them, I mean. How many of you have the extra time in the day to put eight hours on the guitar? You, exactly. You, you don't have that right now. They're they're not only like learning, but they're practiced right. um, in this. And uh, boy, when you let them do that, mm-hmm. boy, they sure did take off. And they they had their own unique expressions of how they would uh, love the Lord. And it it you know it it helped me chase after the Lord better as well. Yeah. So yeah. Um, well, that's. You know that that the other comp thing that you're sort of stirring up for me to comment on, I was, I learned this just uh, just a while ago, but it was uh, that for the first time in world history, there is one global youth culture, and it is because um, they have had, you know, it's it's their connection to technology. I mean, sure, there's there's differences from like you you know a youth in America to a youth in China, right? Um, but there's so many di- similar things that they look for that they've been trained with because of how they've interacted with technology exactly. and their learning and everything else like that, and the way media is supposed to do stuff. So it's just going to be like a. Um, I just have to wonder, like, you know, is that going to be something that the Lord is going to do with, you know, uh, you, you know, that Roman culture that was over such a huge part of the world? We're we're literally going to have a. a to some degree, a global culture with similar uh, things. And it's, that's not to say that it, the whole culture is the same, but it, it's just that, but that youth culture seems to be, you know, I mean, I'm only about 40, um, but it, but you know, it, it, there was a strong youth culture when I was coming up, right? Yes. It was for you. And I would say, un, you know, um, it was like they say the youth culture in the United States started becoming its own thing, like starting in the 50s is when it started getting strong. And before that, there wasn't really such a thing right. as exactly. youth culture. Right. Um, but now we're, it's, it's, it's taken a life of its own and we're, they, they are not the same as us. They're, they're their total own, 
yeah, so lots of things there. But my hat is off to you on um, on aiming at that and shepherding that. And uh, certainly you've got your challenges there. Okay, so um, every, every denomination has its traditions, right, and its strengths and values. And... Um, and you can educate me and everyone else here. Um, you, you come from a Southern Baptist background, um, but there is a difference between uh, white Southern Baptist churches and African-American Southern Baptist churches. What would you say is like the, um, the values that your particular church culture brings to the overall body of Chattanooga? So, you know, for example, we've, you know, we'll have an, we had an Anglican in here, and uh, he was talking about the, the power of the liturgy that the Anglican Church has, and that's just a, a value that they brought. What would you say, you know, for the, for the Southern Baptist Church, uh, the African-American Southern Baptist Church, is, is something like everybody could learn from this. We could all use another dose of this. And, and, and then that might sound self-serving, but like, let me just use, use another example of what I mean here in case I'm being uh, muddy. Um, you know, my friends in the, in the Adventist Church, um, they do a fabulous job of helping me remember the Lord is going to return. You know, it's in their church culture. Mm, it's, yes. it's deeply ingrained. You know, the Presbyterians help us remember uh, the sovereignty of God. He's in control. Um, just what would you say are some of those things that we should, uh, you, you've, got to, you've got to offer and you'd say, gosh, this is something I'm profoundly grateful for or that well, the whole church could use this kind of a thing. Well, I would have to say that it would be pretty much God is in control. Mm. And not just God is in control, but God is in control, so trust that. Um, mm. We, in the African-American Baptist Church, um, I think one of our largest, most predominant strengths is, is the faith itself. Mm. Um the history of the African-American Baptist Church came about after and during the slavery. And so you had to have faith that there was something bigger and something better than what you were currently enduring. And mm. because of that, so many people, uh, so many of the Africans, of the African-Americans turned to a faith that offered them a promise. And when things don't look like there's an out or when things don't look like they can get better. The African-American church relies on the faith, the faith that brought us over, the faith that um, has sustained us for such a long period of time. And so when you uh, go into a traditional um, African-American church and you see uh, expressions and excitement in the worship service, it's because that faith is ignited. And uh, it's like we can we made it through another week and now we can now we can see that God has done it before. We know he'll do it again. He can do it again, even if he doesn't. But we just mm -hmm. believe that he will. And so um, the difference between the African-American Southern Baptist and the white Southern Baptist is simple. It's expression. Mm. That's pretty much it. But. That doesn't mean that there's anything different fundamentally. Sure. We we serve the same God. We use the same hymnals <laughs> when we use them. <laughs> right, right. But, you know, um, uh, 
we moved to praise and worship. And so everybody moved to praise and worship. So we're all kind of still doing the same thing. The, the difference is the, the um, excitement, the exuberance that um, it's more freely expressed in the African-American church. That's, that's the only difference. But what we have that encourages us, that pushes us, that keeps us going is relying on faith more so than um, on the fact that I know this is it's uh, within my spirit. I know it, but I just have to have the faith to believe that it's going to happen. And so it's a more the faith is just a, a, a two or three levels deeper. Yeah, yeah. You know, we have to rely on the faith. What else do we have? And so that's where we are with that one. Yeah, I've heard that testimony, and um, I, I mean, I just agree. It's sort of like a, a soldier that's been through a tough war mm-hmm. and got tough because that soldier went through it. I mean, there really right. is a, a soldiering for Christ in a sense of you had to fight um, mm-hmm. as a as a community. And it was a lived experience and even just one of those things like where um, it was passed down from one generation to the other. And so there was a, almost an expertise in faith that was developed from generation to generation. Yes. I mean, maybe that's a weird way to say it, but it's, it's kind of true. It, it sounds like a weird way to say it, but when you hear... Um, when you hear generations of people saying things like um, they, when they talk about their religion and they can expound on the fact that my grandmother or my grandfather had such tremendous faith that you know, regardless of what we were going through, we knew that God was going to make a way. And then they find themselves two generations later um, drawing yeah. from the grandmother's yeah. faith. They know that they have to have their own, but they're drawing from, and it's like, if she could do that, you know, a hundred years ago, I know I can do that. And even more now is that kind of thing. Right. And there's so many community um, testimonies. Yes. Like, I mean, I, I can tell you miracle stories. I mean, um, I, I've, I've lived some, seen some, you know, uh, and part of my faith is tied to that. But can you imagine um, people with like a dozen more stories than you've got? Oh yeah. And then there's like, a dozen more people with stories like that. Exactly. It's exactly. really hard to be like, well, I know that person's trustworthy and not lying to me. And I've seen them the whole, my whole life, or I've even, I've seen those deliverances. Like, but, yeah. Um, how, how do you end up, you, you, you know, um, when you end up doing something where you live by faith and the person says, well, it's kind of crazy that you're living by faith right there. And it's like, well, if you've seen what I've seen, exactly, it would be crazy to not exactly. live by faith. It takes more faith not to believe than it does to believe. Because you've seen a move. Right. Because yeah, you've and, seen it. And that experiential knowledge of God is yes. is is priceless. Mm-hmm. We definitely need more of that. that. Fabulous answer to that question. All right. Well, let's take another break and um, we'll get back to the rest of this interview. Our team at the Chattanooga House of Prayer has worked hard to put together an extensive library of resources designed to help you encounter God. A Beautiful Church podcast is just one of the many resources we've curated. Check out our website, chathop.org, to discover prayer resources, chord charts, written materials, recommended literature, and more. Well, welcome back to A Beautiful Church podcast. We are rounding out and ending the interview with Pastor Greg Odom from New Monumental Baptist Church. We're just going to ask him a few more questions while he's sitting here in our studio with us. Uh, So Pastor Greg, just, um, you know, this is part of a ministry that cares a lot about prayer. 
And so some, for some pastors, this is a gotcha question, although we don't mean it that way. And some are like more than happy to answer this question. But what would you say is the prayer life of your church, maybe both as individuals and as a, as a whole church? What would you say where it's at and what's it like? I would say that the, the prayer life at New Monument was very, very strong. Um, I can't think of anything that we don't pray about. We pray mm-hmm. individually. We pray together as a group. Um, we pray for one another. We pray for the community, the church, the world. We, it, it's a lot of what we do. The foundation of it either comes from prayer or sits on the prayer. Mm-hmm. When you are, when you are in a facility like ours, for example. Um, which we can truly say the Lord blessed us with, right. because I told you it was it was like pretty much a land swap. Um, then you have to you have to be able to have the foresight and insight to know what you can do with this much facility. Mm, yeah, and so the only way you're going to know how it's going to be used effectively for the community is to pray about it. You can go out and ask the community, and you'll get a thousand different. Responses. You can't possibly meet all of those. So you go to the one who gave it to you. So we take everything to the Lord in prayer. That's just, it sounds cliche, but it's very real, very uh, true. I wish, I wish um, more pastors would give me an answer like that. I mean, <laughs> there, there's all this. Well, we brought in consultants. We read the latest strategy book. We're looking at the trends of our culture. And that's where we got our vision or we got a great visionary leader in as opposed to we sought the Lord and this is what we know that we know that we know we're supposed to do. Right. Because when you have, when you're leading, uh, when you're leading a, a group of people, when you're leading God's people, you can only rely on God for the answer. You can't get it from any place else. If if the Lord came to me and said, "Go read a book," then I'd go read the book. Right. <laughs> but when you're dealing with people, and before ministry, uh, I was in corporate America, and part of what I had to do was deal with a lot of people because of um, the level of management that I was in. But it was always more important to find out who you were serving. Mm. Once you find out who you're serving, then you know how to approach them. You can't approach. A person that's on a high school level with doctorate thought processes, mm. you're going to lose them in the, somewhere. And so it's it's always more important to meet people where they are. I preach that the Lord does that for all of us. He meets us where we are, and then He takes us to where He wants us to be. I can't move them. I can't. Pro- I can't encourage them. I can't motivate them if I'm not where they are. So we can't go into um, doing the work of the Lord by following this guideline and this book and this. Out. No, we do the work of the Lord by praying to the Lord and asking him what it is that he would have us do. And if then we need to go to seminars, if then we need to read books, then we'll do that. But if the Lord says, get this groundwork done first, the first thing I want you to do is send mothers and grandmothers to the elementary school to start talking to these kids and to help them to understand that somebody loves them, whether they're getting it at home or not, then that's what we've got to do. Yeah. That didn't come from a book that came from the prayers and going to the heart of God and him touching our hearts so that we can touch his people. We're serving God to serve his people. 
they're not ours. Amen. So who better to ask than him? I mean, I, I, I mean, I love that. What I, what I've said is, um, go to the place of prayer, and if God, you know, opens the door for you to talk to somebody or to read a book, then go do that okay. homework. As a result of the prayers. As a result then, of the prayers. But prayer. then come back to the place of prayer once you get your job, your, your homework done. Absolutely. And and that process might go on for a while, but um, I just, I do sometimes feel like we, we make it overly complicated rather right. And I, I just love that answer. I love that answer. Um, okay, so um, if, if, you know, you've got to read on this, what do you think the Lord is speaking and doing in your church in, in this season, what would you, if you've got a read on that, or you could sort of speak to that, or even to the, if you want to, the church at large in Chattanooga, what's the Lord up to? Well, I would say um, the, the church at large, God has taken this year of pandemic mm. to get us to see that the only way we survive living on this earth is through unity. Mm. He put all of us on the same level. The pandemic took the high and lofty and brought them down. Mm -hmm. It took everybody to the same level. And it's like, if you can't unify on this, how are you going to survive? And so uh, the church at large has got to. The one thing that we should have learned from this is in order for us to make it, we've got to work together. We've got to work together. Um, Now, for our church in particular, He still has us at that place that we have to, we have to be the community church and not just a church Mm -hmm. in the community. Mm -hmm. Um, The history of the African-American church is being the community church. You know, you come to the church for everything, not just to pray and to learn about God and to, but you come to the church for after school programs. You come to play basketball in the gym or in the parking lot if you don't have a gym. You come to the church to have your civic meetings because you it's the place for you to do it. You come to the church for the neighborhood association meetings. You come to the church for everything. And so that's our call to our community to, is to be the community church. Mm, fabulous. All right. And then um, just in closing, if you could exhort, you, you had the ears of all the listeners or all the believers in Chattanooga. And you could exhort them to just one thing. What 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 is it that you would leave them with? That you'd say, this is this is what I would say. You know, I, I would call you to, in the sense of like, let's let's go for this. We might die trying, but let's go for it. Well, the one thing that I can say would have to come from experience. Um, pray, take it to the Lord in prayer, and then trust Him to do what He says He's going to do. Mm. It's just that simple he's told us that he gives us the opportunity to come to him he sent his son and died on the cross for us so that we can have access to directly to him through the father uh through the son so why are we limiting ourselves we don't have to have uh the high priest to go in and sacrifice for us we don't have to have anyone else to Uh, mediate for us. Let's go and talk to the Father. He's given us that opportunity. So have that prayer life. Talk to the Father and then trust Him to do what He says He's going to do. You know, and if I could sort of reflect on this to wrap it up, um, I I, I just kind of think of, you know, the 
the young, the young, young Greg Odom who took five years to submit to a call to the Lord. You know, um, God, when we pray, you know, we don't figure it out all at once. No, we don't. When we don't hear it fully or perfectly all at once, it's a back and forth mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing where we where we grow into it. So, um, I, I just deeply resonate with that, and and just how you know the sense in which it's almost like the sense of how you you're gonna how you're saying that what you're saying is like go and seek him, and even if you're doing it imperfectly, um, that you don't have a better you don't have a better shot at it than that. No, you, know, you, don't. you don't have another place to go no. than that. Yeah, no. So I, there's just a, you know, some people will say, well, pray and they, their, their story of their life, um, adds a message to it because of that. And I just feel like, um, that's, that's what you're giving. Even as I hear you say, pray, <laughs> it sounds different coming from you, uh, than it would other people. So, uh, Greg, this has been a joy for me and edifying for me. Um, I've been stirred up and cheered up and blessed just by, by hearing your story. And I know others will too. I'm so glad that you are in the city of Chattanooga, that, uh, Marietta has lost two of its former sons to, <laughs> to Chattanooga, uh, but they still have the big chicken. Uh, so just glad that you could be here today. And I just want to thank all of our listeners for listening into a beautiful church podcast. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. The Chattanooga House of Prayer is a nonprofit ministry based in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where we are seeking the transformation of our city through unified prayer, worship, and action. I want to give a special thank you to those of you who give generously to this ministry. We have just learned over the years that many hands make light work, and it is because of you that we can continue this important mission. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit chathop.org. That's C-H-A-T-T-H-O-P.org slash podcast for more information. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, share it with your friends, share it on your social media, and tag us at Chattanooga House of Prayer. Thanks again for listening.